The second Sunday of January of this year, we began a study through 1 Thessalonians. I had no idea how long it would take. It's going to take until August the 14th. <laughs> and today is our closing lesson from the book of 1 Thessalonians. We come to chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. We're going to talk today about sanctification. And I gave the title, Sanctification, What's That? Because that may well have been your reaction to that word, Sanctification. Donna loves watching renovation shows on television. And I'm typically in the room, so I have observed them as well. And I could write one, because in most of them, here's what happens. The family's looking for a vacation home. We like watching the shows at the beach or at the lake, and we've kind of run out of those, so now we're at the mountains. But, you know, we, we like good scenery. And, and so the, 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 oh, the people that are buying the house know that they don't have enough money to get what they really want. And so the realtor says, would you be willing to buy a house that needs a little bit of love? For those of you who are thinking about buying a house that needs a little bit of love, let me translate that for you in real life. It's going to cost you a lot more money than you think it's going to cost. That's what it means. Everything goes along smoothly until just before the first commercial break. And right before the first commercial break, the contractor who's working on this renovation discovers something. He goes, oh no, we've got to call them. Then they go to commercial break, they come back from commercial break, and the contractor is on the phone with this new excited homeowner, I have some bad news. When we took down the bathroom wall, we found mold everywhere. Or when we looked at the electrical box, we found out that the whole house is wired out of code, we've got to rewire the whole house. Or that beam that's supposed to be holding up the house is pretty well destroyed by termites. And you don't have to watch but two or three of these shows before you ask yourself, why would anybody buy a house that needs renovation? Because almost all the time, now there are a couple of shows that are different, I think because the people are going into existing homes where the people are already living, and so they've already dealt with some of those problems. But, but most of these situations, it seems that the renovation takes longer than expected, and it costs more than they anticipate. However, if you think renovating houses is hard, have you ever tried to renovate a human being? Have you ever tried to renovate yourself? Have you ever tried to renovate somebody else? That's a job so tough, only God would even attempt that. And for him, it's taking him 
all of our lives to do that. Now, the good news is, when he's finished with us, we will be sanctified through and through. But in the meantime, we're all under construction. Bill and Gloria Gaither wrote a song that typically children sing, but um, it's an adult song. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It only took a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, and Jupiter and Mars. But how loving and patient he must be, he's still working on me. I have had, at least somewhere, a button that had the first letter of each of these words I'm getting ready to tell you in it, and you're supposed to wear it so when people ask you, what in the world does that mean? You could tell them it means, please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. It's a good, good button for us to wear, and we need to make out t-shirts. Please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. Now, I have not been to this location, but I read someone who had been to the Billy Graham Library in Charlotte and found where Ruth Bell Graham is buried there on the grounds. And they said that engraved on her tombstone are the words, end of construction. Thank you for your patience. I like that. Because that's when it's going to be over, you know, is when we get to heaven. But this period of renovation, this construction time, this God is still working on me, period, is called in the New Testament sanctification. And that's what Paul is talking about in these verses. We mentioned it in 1 Thessalonians, in chapter 4, verse 3, when he says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. Since that's not a term that we use a whole lot, unless you grew up in churches that emphasized sanctification, let me just briefly tell you, first of all, what it isn't, because there's a lot of misconceptions about what sanctification is. It's not the new birth. It's not being saved. It's separate from salvation. It is not perfection because it doesn't matter how sanctified you get on this earth, you are not yet perfect. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, we have this treasure in jars of clay. It's not being exempt from temptation. Some people think, well, if I could just get holy enough, I would never be tempted. Jesus was tempted. It's not maturity, because it is a process of continuous growth and renovation. You don't, you know, get automatically mature. Somebody put it this way. Do you know how long it takes to have a, a Christian that's been a Christian for 40 years? It takes 40 years. You know, it, it is not an overnight thing. It's not maturity. It's also not dehumanizing. We're still human. We still have human emotions. We still have human reactions. That's not what sanctification is. It doesn't make us less human but what it does is make us more like christ that's what sanctification is the process of becoming more like christ and to help us with that paul gives us a couple of key uh, insights in the verses that we read 
He says, may the God of peace sanctify you. The King James says holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, totally, completely, entirely. The NIV says through and through. And in case we're not quite sure even what that means, he tells us next, your whole body, soul, and spirit to be kept blameless. So let's, let's dig into those two phrases to help us understand what sanctification is. To be sanctified through and through, it's an interesting word that means complete in all respects. I don't think I'm complete in any respect, let alone being complete in all respects. And it also has with it the idea of being complete at the end. I like that. You know, we're not complete yet. A lot of times, you know, as we're trying to live for God, as you're trying to live the Christian life, don't you every once in a while get frustrated at yourself <laughs> because it doesn't seem like you're growing like you should? Well, you're not at the end yet. You know, we're, we're going to be complete at the end in all respects. In the meantime, we're still under construction. But when we stand before God in heaven, we will be complete. We will be at that point like Jesus. That should encourage us. And this sanctification process takes place in our spirit. That's that part that responds to God. Our soul. And if you were with us through our study through Proverbs, you know that soul means in the scriptures, your mind, how you think, your will, how you make decisions, and your emotions, how you react. Boy, you know, if we could all do better in those three areas, we'd be okay, right? Or we'd be better. Our mind, how we think, sanctification changes how we think. Our will, how we make decisions. As God works on us in the process of sanctification, we are more apt to make decisions in harmony with his will rather than ours. And our emotions, how we react to things. As we go through the process of sanctification, we find ourselves reacting more like Jesus. And then our body, that would have to do with our appetites and our desires. As we are going through the process of sanctification, he brings our natural desires and appetites into line with his truth and his word. I personally think that one of the most succinct definitions of sanctification is that it is the process of the growth of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. It is the Holy Spirit who sanctifies us and the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22, 23. I've put them in the notes. If you've not downloaded the notes yet, you can go to the, the uh, section in the comment or description and download the notes. I have those verses, Galatians 5, 22, and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So I personally believe that as God is sanctifying us, these areas of our lives grow and mature. And we become more like Christ. Because fruit doesn't develop overnight. I think it's significant that he says it's the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit grows. You know, it takes pruning, it takes watering, it takes fertilizing, it takes the right elements. You know, it is a process. 
Hopefully, as you evaluate your spiritual life, you're kinder than you used to be. You're more dependable than you used to be. You're more gentle than you used to be. You're more loving than you used to be. That's the fruit of the Spirit growing in our lives. It is a life of growing maturity. Well then, if he says, may the God of peace sanctify you through and through, how do we do that? It is my personal understanding of Scripture that the first step in sanctification is salvation. We first become a follower of Christ. We ask him to forgive our sins and come into our lives. But then, subsequent to that, Scripture seems to teach that there comes a point at which we yield ourselves completely to the control of God. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I urge you, therefore, brothers and sisters. Okay, these are people who are already believers. They're already followers of Christ. I urge you, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, good and pleasing and perfect. Present your bodies. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. Here's your Greek language lesson for the day. The verb present yourself means at a specific point of time with results that will continue. Which is why I believe that this typically follows salvation. I I think for most of us in our experience with God, our sins are forgiven, but after a while we realize, you know, I'm not really living always like I should, and and I'm battling this, and I'm battling that. Lord, come in, and and, and, and some people talk about this being the time where you make Jesus Lord of your life. But that's what Paul is saying, present yourself at a point of time, present yourself to God, yield yourself to his control. And in a few minutes, I'll give you a couple of illustrations that may help uh, you understand this a little better if this is new to you. But he said, present yourself as a living sacrifice. Old Testament sacrifices had it easy because they were dead. (laughs) They were put on the altar, killed as the sacrifice. We have the hard part. He wants us to be living sacrifices. And isn't it true that there is something within us that recoils from being a sacrifice we we tend to be real good on self-preservation and when god asks us to sacrifice something when he asks us to go out of our way to help somebody when he asks us to give up a dearly loved habit or whatever it is we tend to rebel a little bit against that so we need to have an attitude of lord you are in control i will say yes to you and and i personally think that part of the process of sanctification is that the time frame from when God asks us to do something until we do it shortens as we become more mature. You know, it's like Paul is a great example of this. 
you know, he had a dream at night that said, come over to Macedonia and help us. And it says, the next morning, he says, guys, we're going to Macedonia. Now, I think I'd have prayed about it a couple more weeks. You know, I'd have called the prayer chain. You know, Paul said, this is what God says to do. We're going to do it. That's the process of sanctification. Shortening the time frame between the time God speaks to you and the time you do what he says to do. Then he says, don't be conformed to the world. The famous paraphrase of this verse is a, a British translation of the New Testament by J.B. Phillips. It says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of our mind. There's a word that's used in that phrase, transformed by the renewal of our mind, that we get our English word metamorphosis from. The process of changing from caterpillar to butterfly. That's sanctification. Being transformed by the renewing of our mind, which enables us to know the will of God. So at this point, I just want to ask this question. Are you willing to surrender control of your life to God? And I want to give you a couple of illustrations that may help us understand what I'm talking about. The first illustration is our life being like driving a car. Before we're born again, we're driving. We're in control. God's outside. This is my car. This is my ride. I'm driving. I'm going to do what I want to do, when I want to do. I'm going to go as fast as I want to go. I'm going to go where I want to go, when I want to go. I'm not interested in God's input. I'm not following his direction. At the new birth, when we become a Christian, when we ask him to forgive our sins and come into our lives, we stop our car, we open the door, and we allow God to come in. And it's called repentance, which means to turn around. And so typically, when God gets into our car, we make a U-turn and go in his direction. But we're still driving. We're still behind the wheel. Sanctification in this illustration, and again, every illustration has weaknesses, but sanctification is when we stop the car the second time and we say, okay, God, you drive. I'll ride. And we either get in the passenger seat or we get in the back seat. And by the way, no back seat driving. Do y'all know what back seat driving is? <laughs> it's the person sitting in the back seat saying, oh, you should have taken that road. Watch out for this. You should. Oh, they're irritating. And I'm one of them. If I'm in the back seat, you know, I'm going to say, hey, watch out up here. You know. But isn't it true? We might say, okay, God, you've got the wheel. You drive. <laughs> but, but we want to give him some input. The process of sanctification is saying, God, you drive. In fact, God, I'm going to sign the title of this car over to you. It's not even my car anymore. It's yours. It's not even my life anymore. It's yours. You drive. I'm going to ride. We'll go where you want to go, when you want to go. We'll go as fast as you want to go. We'll go as slow as you want to go. We'll take whatever detour you think we need to take. I'm a passenger, God. You are in control. My question is, 
who's driving the car of your life right now? Is it you or is it God? Or are you fighting over it? <laughs> Sometimes we fight over the wheel, right? Second illustration. Our life is like, say, a 40-acre estate. Before salvation, Christ is outside the door, right? He says, I stand at the door and knock. At salvation, we open the door and we let him in. And then he begins to start talking to us about the renovation projects that need to be done and some buildings that maybe need to be torn down and some attitudes that might need to change and some, you know, you know, the process of God straightening you up. And he finds a locked room and he wonders where the key is and he finds a locked shed and he wonders what's in there and where's the key. And, and, and sometimes we argue with him, sometimes we try to put him off, sometimes we try to distract him. But eventually, as we continue to grow in our walk with God, we respond to Romans 12. And in light of the mercies of God, we give him all the keys. We just say, okay, Lord, here's a key ring. It's got all the keys to everything on this property on it. In fact, I'm going to sign the title deed to this property over to you. You are now the landlord. You are now the owner. I just live here. <laughs> You're the landowner. I give you control. Here are all the keys. All the storage sheds, the attic, the basement, the filing cabinets, the offices, this is yours now. If you want to follow that up a little bit more, a man by the name of Robert Boyd Munger wrote a little devotional called My Heart, Christ's Home. You can find it online. And uh, it, it, he, just, he, he talks about just how Christ goes through every room of our lives, making us more like him. And that's what sanctification is. Sanctification intensifies when we say to him, Lord, this is your house. I give you all the keys. I give you the title deed. It's not my house anymore. It's not my life anymore. I am a living sacrifice. But let's be real. Even after we have prayed that, there are still times in our lives when God deals with something that we wish he would leave alone. You know, he said, Lord, can I just please hold on to that? But he wants control of every area in our life. Back in the 70s again, when this doctrine of sanctification and the Holy Spirit was coming to the forefront of the church, somebody wrote a song called, Jesus be the Lord of all the kingdoms of my heart. And it says this, in my heart are kingdoms of a world that's all my own. Kingdoms that are only seen by myself and God alone. In the past, when I tried to rule my world, it just seemed to fall apart. So now Jesus be the Lord of all the kingdoms of my heart. I guess I only fooled myself, for I said I had yielded all. But in a secret corner of my heart was a kingdom that would not fall. I surrender now. Make my heart your throne. Rule its kingdoms great and small. For if you're not Lord of everything, then you're not Lord at all. Jesus, I surrender all the kingdoms of my life. That's sanctification. That's being sanctified 
through and through. It's saying, God, I give you control of every part of my life. And don't miss verse 24. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Construction is messy. <laughs> Renovation is messy. A lot of times when these renovators go into somebody's home, they'll say, now you need to find a place to stay for the next six weeks while we do this work. Because it's, we've had to stay at a house when some renovation was being done. It was not pleasant. But Romans 8, 28 and 29, you know verse 28. God is at work in all things for the good of those who love him. Verse 29 tells us the purpose. So that we would be conformed to the image of his son. One day we will look like Jesus. And in the meantime, are we more like Jesus and less like us? Let me take you back to the renovation shows. I'll usually watch until they make the decision which house they're going to get. And then about the time the contractor says, oh man, I'm going to have to call them with bad news. I usually slip to my office and, you know, pay some bills, do some sermon work and so on. And, and after about 20 or 30 minutes, Donna will call me and she says, do you want to see the reveal? Because the, high, the reason you watch those renovation shows is to see the last seven, six or seven minutes, the reveal. When they bring this owner back to this house that has been renovated and they show them what it looks like now. And the owners a lot of times cry, a lot of times laugh. Almost inevitably you hear them say, is this even the same house That's renovation. That's sanctification. It's the people that knew you 20 years ago and know you now. And they say, are you even the same person? What's happened to you? You're so different. You're more patient. You're, you're, you're kinder. You, you got different priorities. And, and you live a different lifestyle. Are you the same person? <laughs> well, yeah. But I've been renovated. The Holy Spirit is doing his work on me. And here's what I want to tell you. Be encouraged. If you have yielded yourself to God, be encouraged because no matter how messy it is, you are in the midst of restoration and renovation by a master renovator. He spoke the worlds into existence and he's working on you. The one who made the majestic mountains is renovating you. The one who paints the beautiful sunsets is renovating you. The one who loves the beautiful colors of springtime and fall, he's working on you. And if in six days he can make this world, imagine what you're going to look like when he's through with you. I can tell you what you're going to look like. You're going to look like Jesus. My question is, have you given him the authority to work on you like that? Here's another illustration. Maybe it'll be helpful. I heard about uh, a man who said he had this dream and it was like his life was a canvas. And God was painting picture on this canvas. And he said it looked like it was going to be pretty, but... but it kept getting messed up and, 
And it kept getting delayed. And I asked God, what's going on? And God said, the problem is you won't stay on the easel and let me keep doing my work. The process of sanctification is us staying on the easel. The process of our sanctification is saying, God, you have the keys to my car. You're the driver. You have the keys to my house. You're the boss. You're the landlord. That's why we call it Lord. He is in control of every part of our life. Have you given him that control? If you haven't, as I close in prayer, this may be the day that you want to do that. And just quietly in your own heart, you, you pray whatever the words are that make sense to you. Lord, I give you control. I give you the keys. I give you the title deed. You're the Lord. You're the boss. Whatever words help you do that, I encourage you to do that today as we pray. Father, we thank you that when you ask us to surrender to you, we know who we're surrendering to, the loving, faithful, gracious God. And so, Lord, if there are people watching or listening on the podcast or are here in the room who've not yet made that decision to say a final yes to you, I pray, Lord, that this would be the time that we're doing it. That we're saying, Father, I thank you that you forgave my sins. But now, Lord, I yield myself to you. I yield control to you. You are now the Lord. You are now the boss. You are now the owner of my life. I'm not going to try to drive this car anymore. I'm not going to try to manage this house anymore. It's yours. And Lord, may we make that commitment to you. And then may we be encouraged as you begin to work on us, because then you will begin to work on us. And it won't always be pleasant, and it won't always be easy, but it will always be for our betterment. It will always be to make us more like Christ. And as you chisel away at the things that aren't like Jesus, and we become more and more like you, that's our prayer that you would flow through us to make us what we ought to be and then you would flow out from us so others can see you in our lives. May it be true of us, I pray. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and give you his peace now and evermore. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here today. You're dismissed. If you need to talk about this or communicate about it, feel free to drop me an email. I'll be happy to talk with you more about this life. God bless you. You're dismissed.